0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything dynasty fantasy football with your host John Bauer. I'm
1: looking to sell everybody price dependent.
0: Dan Lamagna.
1: Too much dysfunction in Cleveland.
0: And Mitch Sorensen.
1: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. I'm your host John Bauer. If you have not tuned into the show before, I'm joined by Dan Lamagna that is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. Dan we're rocking and rolling back on Twitter. We are live for the whole world to see. Uh, you know, Usually we've been doing it for the, the patrons there over in the Patreon and then throwing it out in the podcast feed and on YouTube. But tonight we are throwing this episode out for everybody live. How are you doing tonight?
0: Doing awesome, man. Coming off a real fun weekend, so it's great to be here on Twitter. You know, My college, Georgia Bulldogs, now ranked number one in the country, so I'm absolutely stoked, just thinking maybe this is Georgia's year. And then... Spend eighty bucks. I think it was eighty bucks on Saturday night on that uh, Fury Wilder fight, and I got home late. I came back from from a college football game. I'm like, ah, do I want to spend eighty bucks? Because I missed the pre-show, and I'm like, this better be worth it. And it was like the fight of a lifetime there, so absolutely love that. And then my Cowboys won again, guys. So just I feel like I got some good momentum into talking dynasty football tonight. Let let let's do it.
1: The last fight I bought, I think it was a Tyson fight. So that tells you how long ago it was. It wasn't when he bit Holy Feard, Holyfield's ear off. But I think, it, did he fight him again after that? Or Lennox Lewis, maybe? It doesn't matter. Anyway, we're also joined by Mitch and That's at Dino MC. What is going on, Mitch? Another hunting trip in the books? Got it done. Didn't kill anything, but it's okay.
2: Went out, had a great time, got snowed on. Didn't feel warm for like three days afterwards. So that was a little painful. But I wanted to say, Dan, I owe you an apology. I think I was the hardest person on you about Kadarius Tony. I think I constantly made comments about <laughs> like just never wanting him on a roster ever, but dude, Kadarius Tony can do things on the field that other wide receivers can't do. And those are the wide receivers that I want on my team. I didn't see it in college, but I saw it now. So I went out in 20 different leagues today and tried to trade for him. I only got him on one league, but it was a good effort, but
0: I'll say you were right, man. But I I appreciate that. You're a better man than me. Cause I I came in here like like quiet. And if anything, I was, you know, revved up at my boy JB over there who was, you know, busting my chops with Tony and we're having a a theory discussion on our Patreon there. And, you know, the whole film versus analytics conversation and, you know, JB was all serious given, you know, deep from the heart philosophy. And I'm just being a, a wise guy on the Patreon, you know, probably firing him up, not intentionally until we realize he's getting fired up, but, uh. Man, I was happy about Tony, but I I didn't come on the show talking about Tony or Tremble, even though you know I'm stoked. That was another uh, part of a good uh, DFS and Dynasty weekend.
1: I said there's nobody that gets me more riled up and that knows how to push my buttons the way that you two do. And Dan, I felt bad right away, but you knew I was a little aggravated when I dropped an F-bomb on you. I was like, (laughs) oh, I probably should have said that. But you knew you got me right there. And listen, it's been two great weeks, all right? but let's let's get a little bit more time until I take my L there until I take my analytical L, which I anticipate having to take here shortly, but t- tonight is not about Tommy Tremble, Kadarius Tony tonight. And this came from the, the discord tonight is about what we are doing with our teams. If we're a contender, who are some of the targets that we're, we're looking out, you know, across our leagues, across our dynasty portfolio. And we are, looking to acquire players that we might even be looking to move away if we're contending. So potential trade bait that we really think is going to get a return. That's going to help push us a little further along to get that championship this year. Now, before we get into some names, something popped into my head today and it came from the discord. Again, a lot of the conversations that we come up with on the show come directly from the discord. So it's easy content and I always appreciate that, but we're looking at what to do as a contender. We're 5 weeks in here, 5 games in the books. Hopefully we're sitting at 5 and 0 oh, or 4 and 1 or a strong 3 and 2. But one thing that popped up and then this happened in a trade discussion for me earlier today. I have somebody else's 2022 first. They are now looking to potentially enter a rebuild. So because and they've made it very clear, hey, this is my my prime
0: target here. John, will you please trade me back my pick in the Dynasty Theory Original League? <laughs> you, were you thinking of me, or is that another example?
1: No, th- but I am going to hang on to that pick because that oh, pick is cool. cool. That's the 101 right there. No, I have the 101. I, it could be. With yeah. my roster. But they're coming to me, and they're, they're asking me, hey, JB, what are you looking at? Uh, you know, add pieces. You have a, a solid team there. What can I give you to get my pick back? Now, right away, in my head, I have the leverage, Right? And then we had some trade discussions back and forth and they even said, listen, I understand you're, you're holding my pick hostage essentially. And to an extent I am, but I wanted your thoughts here, Mitch. I want to start with you. If I come back to you, just like Dan did. Hey, JB, my my team, ah, it's not good. I want to get my pick back. How do you approach that? Because you certainly could benefit but then if you push it a little too far, then you turn that manager off and then it's only five weeks in, maybe that pick ends up being a little worse than you anticipated. How do you, how do you play that trade negotiation? So for me, this is actually really
2: simple and I'm upfront with everybody about it. The price is double. So whatever we value a first in the league, the price to get that one is double because I know if they're wanting to get into a rebuild, that team probably isn't going to be good anyways. So let's say it's the one Oh eight but they want it back because they want to turn that into the one Oh three. I'm like some injury luck. I could get the one Oh three out of it anyways. So I'm willing. I'll just hold on to that pick. Give me double and then I'll give it to you. You know, let's say you have Dalvin cook on your roster. I have your first, maybe I have to chip in a really late second and then I could have Dalvin for, you know, your first, you'll turn it into whatever. And then a late second. That's how I look at all of those. When someone wants to get their
1: pick back for me, Essentially, it came down to me adding to that first for Joe Mixon. And I i mean, Mixon as is, what's the value overall compared to a random first? Not much more. And I think a lot of people would prefer the first, especially if they're going to rebuild. So I'm holding out. I hope this gentleman is not listening to this uh, because then certainly that trade is going to be squashed before we really even got started, Dan, do you kind of follow that same mindset or now, now listen, don't say, Oh, I'd actually offered a discount because I have your pick in, in our listener
0: league. So don't, <laughs> don't try to do that reverse. That, psychology. that won't work. No. All right, fine. You called me out on that, but I, I mean, I, I agree with Mitch. I don't know if doubles necessarily the price, but it's more, you know, whether it's a pick or it's a player, it's like the stock market. Hey, with that pick and player was way back when, you know, if it lost value, I don't expect to get what I traded before because it lost value. But that first round pick, as in the one league we were together, of all my teams, that's like definitely on its... I've been rebuilding all all this year, uh, just chipping at it in my in my own way. Um, you know, that pick you got for me is very valuable. It's more now. So I know if I want it back, I'm going to have to pay more. And similarly, like... I traded before the season started for Kyle Pitts, first round pick. All right, two t- tight end premium, deep league. It's amazing how many offers I have gotten for Pitts, and I always respond with, "Like the offers I'm getting are not what I gave up to get him." And nothing happened that his value went down. Nothing changed. I, I, I'm higher last <laughs> week. So so After. right. Well, so like why? Whether it's a, a Kyle Pitts type. Or a first round pick, why am I going to give it away for the same, for less? You know, I'm going to really evaluate the team situation. So, you know, JB, you know, you traded for it. Maybe you are willing to move it, but your team situation is not necessarily the same as your team situation was five weeks ago. So that has to come into account.
1: Now that situation, it kind of steers away from my initial point. And when I posed the question and the topic of tonight's show being a contender, I looked at our standings in that listener league. There's 12 teams in in that league. The three of us are 12th, 11th, and 10th. Granted, I'm building for the future, so it feels pretty good. I don't know what Dan's <laughs> building for, but I don't know if it's the future. Uh, but wow. yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting topic though in conversation because it is something that's going to come up, and I think you have to pay attention once somebody comes to you and they're looking for their pickback. And Mitch, I know you're cutthroat with this, and you talk yep. about double double the price. It's double. It's, a, it's like a you know, I, I can't even think of a, a good analogy here, but you know, I, I, you do have to pay attention. You have to keep that in mind and you you have the leverage essentially and you're making that manager decide, sure, as, as the manager that has the pick, I could benefit. I could I could try to get a little bit more, make that push with it, but I'm making you decide how badly do you want this pick? And the further along in the season we go, if I really see your team struggling, that price goes up even more than it was today. Out of spite, out of you know strategy, for one reason or another, there is a change there. But I think it's an interesting topic.
0: You're but not finally, a spiteful. You're not a spiteful guy though. Maybe to Mitch and I, but you're not a spiteful guy, guy, JB. So don't don't mislead the listeners there. You're definitely a good guy with trades, but it would be insulting to you to come back and offer less when that pick is worth more now.
1: I, one thing about being spiteful, I did let a trade negotiation crumble because somebody kept pushing back and wanted a third round pick added. And that time, out of spite, I said, Thank you very much. I'm going to walk away from this. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> I'm not always filled with spite, just sometimes. All right. Top trade targets. You're a contender. Again, this came up in our Dynasty Theory Discord, which is absolutely free. If you are feeling generous, if you want to support us, if you appreciate the content, check out the Dynasty Theory Patreon, five bucks a month. for the year. That's a pretty nice little discount. It's like 15% off. Anyway, Mitch, you're contending. You're making a push here. Who do you have your eyes on? And then once we go through a few names, I want to add context and what we're paying. And even like uh, league settings, roster construction, how that comes into play, because there's so much uh, nuance with every single player and situation. It's not just black or white. I'm going to do this in every situation. It's never like that. And everybody knows that. So Mitch, what do you got? So
2: mine is, I think Dan's going to have a couple of other guys I have on the list. So I'm going to lead off with a different one. And it's Dawson and we Knox. And didn't, we, we didn't share any of our That's lists. That's right. So. I refuse to because you guys like to steal my notes. I'm convinced of this now. But it's Dawson Knox. Right now, he's third in PPR for tight ends. Um, he's going to be 25. And the thing, I didn't want to pick just old guys. Be like, hey, go get Adam Thielen. blah, blah, blah. I want guys that I'm also going to be able to use next season as well. And so he's turning 25 in about a month. The one thing about the Bills is they've actually blown out so many teams that their pass-to-run ratio is like in the bottom 10 of the league, which means they're you know they're running a lot more than what we anticipated. I think that's probably going to even up because I know the Bills' defense is amazing. They're not better than the best team in the league by like double amazing. So I think other teams are going to catch up a little bit and they're going to have to throw the ball more. They throw the ball more. Dawson Knox is in the situation that we love we already know that he was being used in the red zone. He was used last year in the red zone when he came back after his injury, they were looking for him. And now we saw it on the game on Sunday night to where he's the guy catching a 55 yard touchdown, you know, and just looking at that tight end landscape right now, like I love Hawkinson. I love Kittle. They're not getting used. I mean, that's just how it is. Dawson Knox, no matter what that offense is, he's going to get used. And so for me, when it comes down to what I'm willing to give up, I thought someone like Juju would make a lot of sense, but I don't know if that's enough. So I think the real question for me is going to be, I'm contending. I think I'm going for a championship. Can I give up my first in that league to get Dawson Knox? And this is tight in premium. I'm not doing this in non-premium leagues because it's just a completely different process but I think I'm going to talk myself into trading my first for Dawson Knox.
0: Let me, let me, before JB, you break down that value. I just, I want to add something to that, Mitch. And I think it's a very interesting pick that you made here. And it's one of them where one of the, we all have our our strengths in this fantasy game that we, we play. And and sometimes we even second guess our, our strengths or, or, you know, our own conviction on certain players. Wait, really
1: quick. uh, Speaking of spite, I got to throw ego in here. I don't think Mitch has ever second guessed himself. Even when he knows he's dead wrong, I don't think Mitch has ever second guessed himself. Mitch is all in. He's
0: all in, in, Duke Johnson. But um, when he's in, he's in without a doubt. But Mitch, I I like this. And and I am going somewhere with this angle here. So Dawson Knox is a guy I really liked in the preseason. And it goes back to watching Buffalo Bill games last year when I just watched how he was kind of breaking free from coverages. Now he had little problems with some drops. And, but, he flashed. I'm like, this guy, he's kind of on that sleeper fringe list. And I read all these positive reports. Like, they're, like everything you could want to read in the offseason validated everything I thought going into the year. And then now he's producing, and he's doing it week in and week out. And there's two things that I really want to zero in on. One is, like, did the fantasy community just, like, label Dawson Knox as a guy that's not worthy of being up there? Where, you you know, like... Everything we see, know, and study says, Mitch, in a two tight or I see keep saying two tight end because I'm in I have this one league in my mind, but in a 2.0 premium league, there's nothing that says that's a bad deal. Like I love that thought. And the second piece is just how teams utilize players because it's like here that was probably my one question: How is Buffalo going to use this guy that looks good on film that I really like watching that all the signs are pointing to. And now they're they're answering that question. He is a big part of their passing game. And there's so much volume there. It's ridiculous in that Buffalo offense. Unlike a guy like Laviska Chanel, who's another one of those guys that my eyes are saying the same thing when I watched LaVisca last year. My, the reports out of college was just health issues. He could have been a first-round pick. Like, he's got all the criteria. I'm watching him this year. He makes a catch. When they try to tackle him, the way he is breaking tackles and has like a whole one catch, it goes for 58 yards and then Urban Meyer does not want to find ways to get him the the ball creatively, just mind boggles me. So I'm a little bit frustrated and, you know, that's the end of my rant. JB, take it over.
1: Now, getting away from LaVisca Chenault, I don't know how
0: Dan managed to creep (laughs) him into the conversation. That was pretty good. But he's talented like like Knox. The film says this is a guy that should hit in fantasy football, but he's not being utilized. Knox is being utilized
1: wait what was that f-word used
0: fantasy football
1: fi- fi- film
0: what uh, what is that films i love the film I, jb I, I love the not, film that's that's an f-word i'm not
1: familiar with support right, with so some analytics
0: gonna, what do you got for us in the analytic world there jb
1: now one thing that we're doing on the patreon i say we i i am doing this new Patreon, <laughs> the analytic machine but it's the, the, a weekly usage report and it's spitting out you know we're looking at routes per drop back, uh, the way they're lining up slot wide in line, uh, receiving yards per drop back, yards per outrun, average depth of target, the way they're being deployed, uh, a target share, different things like that in one easy, quick way to find all this information. But I'm looking at this right now. Routes per drop back, 45 percent in week one. He's been over 70 percent in every game since 90 percent against the Chiefs there on Sunday night. But the thing that I really like over the last four weeks, his slot percentage has increased week after week after week, 16% week two, thirty-four 34%, 43% up over 50% against the chiefs, the way he's being deployed in that offense. Now average depth of target that was the big outlier here in week five i don't think you can expect (laughs) 28.3 yards per pass attempt in the air but something that was really nice to see outside of week five actually even though it was a monster game not only has his slot percentage increased we've also seen an uptick in his target share with 8%, 9%, 11%, 23% uh, 8%, 9%, 11%, 23% back to 15% in week five. So going through all those numbers, the way that Dawson Knox has been used, it's what we want out of our tight ends. It's why people like Kyle Pitts so much. Well, he's a tight end, but not really. He's going to be doing this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey, uh, last night I said the way the Colts defend slot receivers, Mark Andrews was going to have a field day. I think what he did last night qualifies as a field day, but what we're seeing from these tight ends lining up in the slot, those those are the, the, uh, you know, money opportunities essentially. So for Dawson Knox, I think your price point is spot on, but what we're hoping for is that maybe not what he did in week five continues, Mm -hmm. but we continue to see those four or five targets a week. We've seen Stefan Diggs suffer a little bit. We've seen Cole Beasley completely disappear. I see in the chat, RIP Gabriel Davis, uh, a sleeper and and Cinderella that everybody wanted to believe in. But Dawson Knox is stolen that thunder. And I got to piggyback. I'll just throw it in here. I have Emmanuel Sanders on this list. And I know, I know that's an easy cop out. And I kind of laughed when Mitch said it. I don't want to just say an old guy. Well, Emmanuel Sanders is that old guy. that is giving you solid production and he's been leading the wide receivers from a fantasy standpoint something i do expect to continue not let me rephrase that i expect him to be heavily involved not necessarily leading those wide receivers so i'm not sitting here saying that emmanuel sanders is going to finish 2021 from a fantasy standpoint better than stefan diggs but if he does you know i'm going to go back and clip the the first one before i corrected it but yeah i two PPR for a tight end. I think a, if you're contending a late first is probably right on target here. And we've talked about the the strength of the 2022 class and what we're seeing here, especially in super flex from these quarterbacks that are going to be rookies in 2022. So there's that concern. So do you move a late first? If you think Dawson Knox can get four, five, six targets a game, he's going to use more than you said, TJ Hawkinson after that big week one. So I don't know, Dan, do you, do you pay that price?
0: I think I start with a second in the player and, and just know in my back pocket if I could take the negotiation up to a late first and then maybe try to get like a, a second or a third back with Knox because that first, that, that could be an elite player. I don't know if Knox does not, you know, I don't consider him an elite player. Or at least, you know, we know what his upside is, but I think it's in the negotiation there. I, I think Mitch has just got to work his way there and he knows he's got that as a tool and ends up with a tight end that's going to put up a lot of points this year. And to Evan's comment in the in the chat there of RIP Gabriel Davis, I think for this year it isn't RIP Gabriel Davis. I think it's Manny's turn. Um, you know, the, that offense is just operating differently, but he's still only 22. And he still, you know, he had a touchdown last week. He's still in the game plan and flashes now and then. So I wouldn't completely RIP him just for this year.
1: Yeah, and you, you got to be a little patient there. Uh, we would expect the departure of Emmanuel Sanders here. Um after the season, Cole Beasley, who knows what's going on with him. But before we move on Emmanuel Sanders, again, target share, he's hitting 15% pretty much every game. And we're talking about five, six, seven targets and an average depth of target. He is the deep threat in that offense, 21, 18, 16, 14, 18 yards down the field. And Josh out, I know people were concerned at least in years past, Prior to 2020, uh, Josh Allen, inaccurate, You can't really throw the deep ball. He's been okay. And Emmanuel Sanders has certainly been one of the main beneficiaries. So Emmanuel Sanders, somebody I'm targeting as a contender, obviously the longer-term value not necessarily there. But Dawson Knox, I mean, there's nothing really – it's not like somebody's injured. It's not like a Dalton Schultz situation with Michael Gallup coming back. We can, ex- I think we can expect Dawson Knox to continue that. So I like that one, mention again, it's somebody that can sustain longer term value as opposed to my boring Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Dan, before I turn it over to you, I'll get my old guys out of the way. So, Emmanuel Sanders, two thirds, I think you can acquire him there. AJ Green, I, I, you can get him for a third and, and maybe a fourth. Antonio Brown, he's been fantastic. I think he's in a cost of, I have a second and third, maybe. To, yep. Yeah. I agree. And then before he comes back, can I fire off three seconds for Michael Thomas if somebody's rebuilding? Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't think so? If I
0: they, think if... he will
2: cost more right now. I think
0: we're getting closer.
2: Four weeks ago, you could have done it. Anyone who has him has been planning on using him. I have him on a lot of rosters right now. What, what since, if
1: you're what if you're zero and five towards the bottom of the standings and point scored zero
2: five? Well, zero and five. Okay, that's the exception. Maybe if I'm zero and five, but if I'm two and four going into week seven when he comes back. I'll fire him up and
1: hope I could go on a run. Okay, but that's somebody else that I'm looking at here, especially with what we've seen out of that offense. Jameis Winston, he's been pretty solid, and we've seen two splash games from him. So Michael Thomas, I think he's going to garner and demand 30-plus percent target share. And I, I just, I don't, the thing with him is hopefully something doesn't happen. He comes back for a game, and he's like, Oh, yeah, I'm sitting out the rest of the year. So, you know, something crazy happens. Um, but those are the three older guys kind of went in declining order. Sanders, Brown. Is Brown older than Sanders? Sanders is older than Brown, I think.
0: Correct. Sanders is older. I don't okay. know the exact age, but he's definitely older. Okay. I hope so. He's closer so. to the rocking chair. <laughs> <laughs> Brown Brown just came off a hiatus, so it took a little <laughs> momentum, and he feels older. He's closer and you talk
1: about chips. hips. And Please. talk about Achilles. Mitch was all over Emmanuel Sanders coming off that Achilles, and he's been okay ever since then. All right, Dan, I, I kind of hijacked the show here for 24 minutes.
0: Who do you got? Hey, I like we're going in different angles. You know, Mitch is zeroed in on a great target that he's identified. JB, you're looking at some older guys there. And, and when, I, when I got this homework assignment from you, I, I kind of just tiered it out a little bit based on, you know, options that our listeners may have. You know, are they looking to get – someone who is a little bit older that isn't quite that flashy shiny toy are they looking for someone maybe it's got a little more youth to them but is could be a strong contributor now where, where do they fall and you know i heard i think both of has mentioned at some point timing you know like I, I feel we missed the timing to a degree on dawson knox you know you definitely gave it an angle mitch to still go after him that that could work but it's a little bit frustrating when you see a dawson knox or a debo Samuel and you think Man, you know, there was a there was a, a path to where they could have had a really good year. Not that, like, I have some shares of Knox. I'm definitely light on Debo Samuel, but I wish I had more. And I think timing is the key and just, you know, reminder to listeners to be aggressive when they want to go after guys. Chase and Pitts, elite guys. There was little windows there maybe where you could have got them a little more fair value. Those windows have passed again. You know, Chase is lighting it up. Pitts has had a great week. So some thoughts there. Now, the guys I have on this list. And again, we talk about timing. In the last, here we get enter week six. There's been some guys that every week I take some notes, whether it's for Dynasty or DFS. I'm just keeping an eye on them. Um, you know, Chase Claypool and Mark Andrews are two guys that might have just missed the timing window. Mark Andrews definitely after that performance last night. But you got to tell me before last night, Andrews was still, he kind of lost some lust this season. Wow. In, wow, last night.
1: I think you're spot on there in our Discord especially in, in premium leagues, tight end premium, how many times did we hear, well, Mark Andrews doesn't really benefit from the premium as much as the other high-end receivers. But I, I think people just, the 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 red zone utilization, that was a big thing that was missing, and that certainly was taken care of in last night's game. But yeah, that window, it's it is shut, boarded up, <laughs> and then it's like in the movie The Purge, a metal sheet came down over it, and it's not opening. It's locked. It's done. Uh, and Chase Claypool probably in a similar situation after what we saw from him last week. And then the juju injury. Juju injury. I, I, I think that's critical. But, yeah, Dan, timing, that's that's spot on. Timing is more than half the battle, I would say.
0: So those two I brought up because of timing, and, and you could have summed up Andrews any better, so I'll, I'll, move, I'll move forward. Guys, you can obtain that I'm looking at. First, the, the non-shiny pennies here. Josh Jacobs and New Hopkins. There's just something about them. I'm watching the Raiders this year now. That's a little bit, I feel even filthy saying Raiders right now as John Gruden's gone. And, and I put an asterisk with him because who knows what direction the Raiders are going in right now. But I only bring up Jacobs because he's a guy I was really hard on and down on and didn't like. And I had no desire for him. But in watching the Raiders, Drake's not in the game plan and the only reason Peyton Barber was is because Jacobs was hurt and when Jacobs has been in there and that O line is better than I thought it was going to be and he still have some issues at the guard position a little bit they're not all the way there the O line but it's better than I thought it was going to be in the preseason they're utilizing them in the pass game in the run game like he's their guy now again with John Gruden not there does it stay the same. You know, we'll have to kind of watch that a little bit, but he's just a guy that I think still super young. Jacob, how old is Jacobs? He's under 25, 23. Uh, I think I th- I yeah, he's, still, 23. Uh, he's real <laughs> he's young, man.
1: super young. So he's
0: real young. He's getting utilized in a way that we didn't anticipate. And it's one of the reasons we didn't like him because of Drake. I think he could help a contender this year. And I think Hopkins is due for a blow up game. I, I just think Arizona is doing really well. And if I want to contend this year, he just has missed that blow up game week in and week out this year. You know, they still distribute the ball a little more than I like, but I think there are two guys that could do really well. And, and Daryl Henderson's another guy I kind of just had. I think injuries have kind of taken some lust off him, but he's looking pretty decent. They want to utilize him. I'm not buying that Sony Michelle extra carries this week at, at all. He's not even looked at in the passing game. So they're the non-shiny ones. Then I'm going to go back to the well with guys I liked, Zach Moss, he looked good this week. Well, I don't know I'm going to give you can, can I go through my list first or do you All right,
1: go ahead. But I am going to lose my train of thought. First of all, Daryl Henderson was actually on my list. Now in the offseason I was saying I, I I was moving him for first. I like what that you think that, that, that was the plan. And I, based on, you know, I don't want to say what we saw from Marlon Mack in those seven carries or six carries last night, actually five carries, but five carries, 40 plus yards uh coming off that Achilles. Marlon Mack did not look terrible last night.
0: That is shocking. No. Wow.
1: What'd weird. you say? What'd you say? Which
0: He's one? What? John said Marlon Mack. And then I think you said, wow, or something. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you were no, heckling him, right? I was just him, right? saying
2: I was so shocked that someone could actually come off an Achilles tear and not be absolutely horrible. Like, it's a really weird thing. I thought, like, the running back position was this, like, mythical beast of, like, the only position in any sport that cannot come back. Olympic athletes can come back. No big deal. People can play basketball. Kevin Durant comes back and is awesome, but no running backs. Emmanuel Sanders comes back and he's good at 35. Nope. Running backs cannot run in a straight
0: line.
1: Nope. Sorry. Can't happen. Sorry. <laughs> I, I feel a lot of sarcasm on that. I thought like you guys lost me on the stream or something. Mitch is just saying <laughs>
0: Mitch things. is getting a point across,
1: but anyway, so my point there was, so maybe that gives some hope for cam Akers next year, but uh, you know, looking at Daryl Henderson for this year, at least 60% route participation every single week, with the exception of week three when he was out. Fantastic workload on the ground. I know, Dan, you just said you're not really buying into that Sony workload that we saw this week, and I tend to agree. Next 11 games, that runs through week 17. Hopefully you're in the championship. Nine of their opponents are the Giants, Lions, Texans, Titans, Packers, Jaguars, Seahawks, Vikings, Ravens. Those teams are in the bottom half of the league when you look at fantasy points given up to running backs. Nine of their eleven opponents, and I think they have the Cardinals and 49ers who are a little bit stiffer competition defensively, at least in terms of their fantasy ranks up to this point. But Daryl Henderson, I'm I'm right there with you, and then. Who else did you say? Because there was another one that light bulb kind of went off.
0: Henderson, I think, has that acres role, and that's why he's really good this year. But the other guys was uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, DeAndre Hopkins.
1: Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins. That's an interesting one. And it was yesterday or today I saw a thread on Twitter and a lot of people chiming in. I didn't realize people were so down on Hopkins. Like, is he having a fantastic start to the season? No. He's like wide receiver 16, 17. Again, we're looking at trends. We're looking at usage. And when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins in that Cardinals offense, week two, 11% target share. Week three, 15%. Week four, 22%. Week five, 29%. Am I saying this is going to continue and he's going to hit 100% by season's end? No. But if I can get him at a nice discount as a contender, i I mean, the age cliff is there you know, thinking that's going to come up here shortly with him. What is he 29 years old? I I'm still investing. And I did not realize people were so down on him. So I think that's a really good one to bring up.
0: And I think that's why they're down on him, JB, because they're looking at that age cliff. They're like, Hey, we drafted this guy or held on to him because of his perceived first round value. And he's not quite producing that. But as you mentioned, the volume of, of, you know, target share that he's getting, it's there, it's rising. I thought he was going to blow up this last week, and that's where I I stacked him, and Kyler was all pumped about that stack. even had Kadarius Toney and Tremble in the lineup. But what I didn't anticipate is the last two weeks, how well the 49ers' defense has played. And it's just something you kind of could lose in the fantasy community sometimes. Like, I thought Russ and Metcalf were going to eat the the week before in that Seattle offense, and they didn't either. It's just the Niners' offense is struggling so much. So I think it's just a matter of time before he goes ham. And then I mentioned Zach Moss. Again, I'm going back to here's a guy that just – Buffalo really wanted to give him the ball a year ago, and he just couldn't stay healthy. So then we come into the season. We think he's the guy. There's still you know, some Singletary truthers there. Singletary does okay in the beginning. Look how quick that flipped in Buffalo where they pumped Moss. And then if you watch that last game, Allen checked down to him four or five times. He caught it. Looks looked spry. And was really getting some, some a nice workload there. So I just think he's their guy in Buffalo. And if you need a back that's not going to cost you an arm and a leg, you could acquire Zach Moss and he could stabilize you at running back and he, or give you some depth in the contending when you have bye weeks coming up and we know the injuries are there. So I like him. Um, Jacoby Myers is another one that I don't think costs an arm and a leg. I've been um, you know New England's got to get some things together, but he's their guy. He's their slot guy. He's getting targets. Um, he's an, he's overdue to find the end zone. There's got to be some positive regression in his future there. He just has not found it. I think as they continue to get that O-line better and Mac Jones continues to progress, I, I think there's just some good volume for Myers that could help your team as well.
1: You mentioned Zach Moss this week, 15% target share. Can I, I mean, not that we would know this automatically, but when's the last time a running back in a Josh Allen-led offense saw –
0: And he capitalized on it too. Yeah, it wasn't that game you're watching. It's like, all right, they finally threw it to him and then he dropped it or had a one-yard gain. Like he looked good.
1: Yeah. And and you brought up a good point. And I we talk about usage. I'm a big trends guy here. And it's tough for football because it's a limited, it really is a limited sample. You know, whether it's trying to find players in certain draft rounds with breakout age and college dominator and then by the time you dwindle down it's like okay there's eight guys over the last decade is that enough to really get enough information from and oftentimes the answer is no and I I try to preface things with that that it is a limited sample it's not like baseball we're getting 162 games a year hockey or basketball so there's such a limited sample here And we try to find trends and identify usage and the way players are utilized because that is critical. And I I was guilty of the, whoa, look at the way Singletary has looked these first few weeks. They really like them. Just like that, the Bills completely go, not not entirely, but go to Moss for the most part. And we've seen this how many times across how many teams – just when you think Rondell Moore is really going to pop off for Arizona and get a ton of targets, kind of comes back down. Uh, you know, it, countless examples across the board, and that's what makes football, uh, one, fantastic, but two, so freaking frustrating at the same time, especially for somebody like me who's trying to find those those trends and I'm throwing graphs out to the Discord every day. And Mitch is saying, JB, like, translate this for me and there's times like i can't even it just looks nice mitch i don't know what do you want from me there's some r number
2: on there i have no (laughs) idea what it means
1: but (laughs) here so i only have three
2: more guys i want to mention in this topic and so the reason why i did them is because they're in variables of a second round pick one of them is a very early to a first round pick late first the other one's going to be a mid round and the other one's going to be any second you could throw you could get them it's going to be james robinson he is going to be that first to second to where I think he's just going to get more and more work. The second one is Fournette. I mean, even the Discord is raving about him. I mean, he is just going to get work. And the last one's James Robinson. All the dude does is score touchdowns. He
0: is so excited that? about wait, wait. James Robinson. You're really okay. high on him, Connor. Uh, so
2: so that's a decent (laughs) excuse, right? At least they have the same first name. And so James Conner, I think you could get him for any second, but every single week he can give you a touchdown. Like I think prop bets on him. When you get that 0.5, you get, you know, some plus money on that. That's a great bet. I think you can make each week because he's just, they're not getting Edmonds the ball ever in the red zone. And so I think those are just three guys. The reason why I picked them is because I think they're going to be valuable next year too. I'll admit before the season, I said the whole Ronald Jones thing, that Ronald Jones ship has sailed, that thing's gone. But these three backs, I could see them being used next year. And that's why I don't mind giving up seconds for them. I don't mind giving too early seconds if I have to for James Robinson, because I think they're still going to get work next year. And those second round picks, it could be someone for like, I'm not going to even end up playing. Next year, and so I just think it's the proper move to make kind on of a contender.
1: Mitch, um, I, I always really quick. I always steal quotes from Mitch, and most of the time, I don't even think he remembers he said it. So I could probably just steal it. You would never know. But you <laughs> said something. I think it was in the Discord, He's and you said role. that James Connor, you love this role for him. You, and it is a, a fantastic situation. Red zone utilization. Inside the five opportunities, but he's not asked to put up 25, 30 carries a game. So durability, that concern, and again, injuries could happen any which way, but to minimize that risk a little bit and lowering his workload, working hand in hand with uh, Chase Edmonds, who two weeks ago, I said, go out and get him for two seconds. He's on my list again. I'm still trying to get him for two seconds or Damien Harris and a second. But that that backfield, I like what they're doing and the way they're being utilized. Outside of Jonathan Taylor, James Connor and Nick Chubb each have six carries inside the five. That is the second most across the running back position, and those are high value touches. I was looking at it. Um, carries inside the five are four times as valuable as carries elsewhere on the field. I think it was like 0.5 versus two points. Uh, you know, so it, it's pretty significant. So if you're getting those touches inside the five, that's a great opportunity for James Conner. So I think and the Leonard Fournette, that was a fantastic one too. And I hate that we're agreeing on all of these. I, I really don't want to, I wish I could say, you oh, know, that's, that sucks. That's all my head is
0: going to sleep on the pillow last tonight. So well with all the compliments of Kadarius, Tony and Leonard Fournette, I'm basking right wow. now. I'm glowing, man. I'm glowing. But Mitch's guys are are really interesting. And when you look at James Connor, Leonard Fournette, and then I mentioned Zach Moss before there's like the common denominator there in all three of them is those offenses are awesome. <laughs> you know I mean? You got a Josh Allen led bills team. You got you know the goat brady you got kyler they're all healthy they got good old lines they're contenders and those three guys just establish themselves you know and o'connor's doing that with chase so you got to temper it a little bit you know there's going to be some games that are not going to the game script might not quite ebb and flow your way but more often than not they're going to help you and it's the same thing with lenny too Every once in a while, Brady gets super greedy and just doesn't want to throw the ball here. You guys are laughing. Ah, I like that. Oh, Ingram's another frustrating guy there. That's don't get me going on Ingram. Probably half our listeners too, but uh, good list there, Mitch. Man, and JB's just, James Robinson. JB is the other one that's just kind of that Mitch mentioned. Just Jacksonville. That's the only like frustrating, weird thing. Like, but for this year, I think it's solid. He keeps proving everybody wrong. I just don't know what the heck's going to happen with that coaching situation.
1: I'm on, like, again, this goes back to, like, Daryl Henderson and the price point we were putting on James Robinson. If I could cash out – if at this point now, if you're a contender and you're relying on James Robinson, we're going into week six. I'm not just going to ship him off to ship him off because I would like to win that championship, and I think James Robinson presents that opportunity with the workload that he's getting.
0: Uh, He'll probably – JB, he'll be, he'll be back next year. It's just a matter of who you will be and ETN will be back in the conversation, but Lenny and Connor, they, they could be out. Both of them are on one year deals. So, you know, right. next year is an interesting factor. Sorry to interrupt but, you, man. No,
1: but I think for Fournette and James Robinson, like I'll pay a mid second next year and a late second, if I have to, you know, what? what's the hit rate on those, especially in next year's class. Yeah. I'll take the points this year. And James Robinson and Leonard Fournette guys that we could at least get flex appeal from moving forward. And then James Connor two weeks ago, I said somebody jumped in one of our league chats and they said, James Connor for any second. And uh, and they even called me out in our discord. They said, JV, I, you know, I, I heard you talk about this and I, not that I scoffed at it, but I said, I didn't even consider it if I'm a contender. And I think that's two hundred eight, two nine, two ten. Yeah. Uh, I'll move that. free. And it, that That's two weeks. Just, I, I, it's okay to change your values and change your opinion. And from what we've seen from James Conner, I think he solidifies that role. Now, you know, if I go out and acquire him in multiple shares, he's probably going to miss a few games with an injury. That's just how it works, right? <laughs> All right, look, I'm going to rattle through my list very quickly. I have four quarterbacks. All four of these quarterbacks depress value for one reason or another. And then when you look at it, from week six to week 14, the regular season in your fantasy leagues, they fall in the top six easiest schedules in terms of defensive pass efficiency. Mitch, you and I were talking about sharp football stats earlier today. It is a free resource. I get a ton of information. Uh, Mitch, you you turned me on to it, and now I think it's like my homepage whenever I log on to the internet. I'm on there so much. But the quarterbacks I'm looking at, Depressed value, like I said, and I think they have potential to really take off as the season goes on with their schedules. Tua, he's returning from IR. And Dan, I know you're a Tua guy. I think some of the sizzle has has fallen off there on Tua. He despite last week or last night's game, a lot of people still like Carson or like hate Carson Wentz. That's an easy schedule to come up. Now the concern with him, uh you know, it could be injured at any second. Like the, in, the he injuries, wake up injured. uh, the way he crumbled in 2020. And then also strategy wise, what if the Colts are like, ah, we're out of contention. We don't want the Eagles to have our first round. happen. Yep. We don't want to play him 70% of the snaps. You talk about spite, you talk about strategy. That could be it right there. But it, let's say I had Russell Wilson and I'm missing him for multiple weeks. Carson Wentz for my late first. That's kind of the threshold. Situations, I would move Wentz for a first. I might buy for a late first as well if I need to. And then Jameis Winston, I don't think he's far off from Carson Wentz in terms of value. We've seen two tremendous splash games. He's getting his most important weapon back in Michael Thomas, hopefully in two weeks. Alvin Kamara still being utilized. Uh, Hopefully there's a little bit more volume in that passing attack. But Jameis Winston, I... I think the question marks with him is, what are we going to see beyond 2021? And is he going to be a starter? I think Jameis has played pretty damn well this year compared to what people were expecting. I think people were kind of secretly hoping for a dumpster fire there. He's He's been taking care of the ball. He's been okay. And then the last one, and guys, this is disgusting. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to say it. Based on schedule, okay? for. I don't even know if it would cost you a late second. And this isn't me being a Homer. Oh no. Ben Roethlisberger. I I'm telling oh, you, I'm, out. I'm telling you for the price for the price, just you're, you're in a tough quarterback situation. I got him for two thirds in one league. I, I, I got him for two thirds and at that price, Yes, um, um, sign me up. Again, I know it's disgusting. Last time I said something was disgusting, it was Brandon Bolden, who now everybody in their freaking mothers write a waiver article. Pick Brandon Bolden up. He's the PPR guy in New England over on uh, Fantasy whatever. Listen, it's gross, I know. But the schedule, it is going to be uh, one of the easier schedules in the league throughout that period, and I think... I think Ben could surprise some people and give you some solid production.
0: I was one of those, uh, I was one of those critics hard on Ann Bolden. So I'm going to give you Ben, even though you know I threw up in my mouth a little bit there. I'm going I'm to give you just yeah, – I know where you're going with it.
1: And then I have uh, Chase Edmonds, uh, running back. I talked about my old decrepit receivers. Uh, if you – this isn't even as a contender, and it's not just because I had him as my running back, too, in this class – but Javante Williams, if you want to acquire him at a decent price, I now is the time. I, True. You look at that schedule. We talk about defensive rush efficiency. Mitch, I, I, I'm i sure you saw this already. Yep. Denver has the easiest schedule, bar none. So Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams, I, I think they're both there to provide some, you know, it might be 10, 11, 12 points, but with injuries by weeks that is certainly enough in many situations so we talk about price points i talked about Edmonds. i think i could get him for two seconds still i could get him for damian harris in a second or something like that javante williams if i'm a contender i i i would move to projected later first for him i really would i think he is going to catapult up dynasty rankings uh I have it in the chat. I threw up in my mouth when you said Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, I'm sorry. Hopefully you were able to make it to a garbage can at least, man. I apologize. Never want our listeners to get sick while listening to the show. But uh, Javante Williams, contender, uh, middle of the pack. He's a guy that if you want him, get him now before the season progresses. All right, guys. Speak now or forever. Hold your peace. Anybody else you want to throw? Contender? Just a a, a name that you're dropping, dropping there for our listeners? A.J.
2: Dillon. I know everybody loves Pollard. A.J. Dillon is the guy to where you watch those games. I don't even know if it's showing up in your stats yet, JB. But they're using him. I mean, hes you turn on the game, and he's just in there just a little bit more and more each game. And he's just a guy to where if anything happens to, I want to say Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is not his name. Aaron Jones. So, what What was that? I don't know. They're both great at catching the ball. I don't know, but wait, was that Austin Eckler? PPR running back to Austin Eckler. Is that who that was? It's pretty good. Pretty good. Someone told me about him. I'm not entirely sure who it was. But if Aaron Jones gets injured at all, I mean, Dylan turns into what a top six back, probably top eight at the worst. And I mean, now you could get him for. I'm sure he could get him for a second. I mean, there's, and if someone's going to ask for a first, like that's just like, no, I'm not doing that. But if you could get him for a second, he's just some of the backups in the league to where like the player goes down in front of him and you're like, you know, just like Dan said, I should have been a week early. But, you know, it's the rest you got to, that's why he was really, really low on my list. He's like, should I bring him up? But, you know, I actually like him more than more than Pollard, to be honest
1: with you, if I'm gonna go out and get someone just the price difference. I don't know if there really is a price difference, though. that would be interesting to me. Like if, if, I know if you ask random people or throw a poll on Twitter, it's going yeah be one way. But when you talk to the manager that has them has uh, either Pollard or a j. Dylan on their respective roster, I don't know if there is much of a difference. But you said you don't know if it's showing up in the usage. It is. Running back market share, uh, he hit 50% two weeks ago, uh, 36% this week, 10% target share. Where are these targets coming from? And I was one of the first people in line uh, bashing him for his his PPR and receiving upside because I didn't think it was there. Now, is he out there getting 30% target share? No, but that was one of the reasons that I really like Kylan Hill because I thought he was going to get used in the passing game. But A.J. Dillon... He hit a 10% target share last week. He's sitting at 7, 10. Again, it's it's like, but still over 30 targets on pace for that. For A.J. Dillon, we didn't have that in our projections, I can tell you that.
2: Oh, no, there's no way. Now,
1: again, I'm not saying he's a PPR back. He's not going to be like my man Chase Edmonds, getting five, six, seven, eight targets every single week. But A.J. Dillon, it's just that tremendous upside but i still do think tony pollard has more standalone value and i don't even want to ask dan what his thoughts are on that
0: yeah man no i'm <laughs> i'm not, not going to go there <laughs> I'll throw one for the road here and, and just at the tight end position. Um, and believe it or not, it's not Tommy Tremble as much as I want to. But just a little disclaimer on Tommy Tremble, who I do like his long-term for Dynasty, and, and I'm happy I got those shares. But he's getting only a low percentage of the of, of the routes run on the team's passing plays, and his touchdown was on a broken coverage. I mean, he was just wide open. So like him, but if you're looking to contend this year, he's not your guy. Um, but You, you heard know, it here first. Tommy you know? Tremble <laughs> is
1: not your target. I mean, really, he's not anybody's targets, especially Sam Darnold. Oh, I want him on
0: every roster. He should be getting more targets. This is not his time yet. He's still developing. But um, Dan Arnold, man, uh, this is yeah. another one of those you know Bolden type takes here. It's it's bottom of the ocean guys. But the Jaguars wide receiver situation is so bad, they purposely trade for him at tight end and six catches for sixty four yards. He's gonna have a role. They they just. That's his strength. He's a he's a receiving tight end, and that's an offense that he fits in right now. So if you're looking for some volume at a low price, I'd go with Danny Arnold.
1: Can you talk about Jacksonville? And this is – I guess this could be my final thought, but, you know, it's final thoughts. You look at Jacksonville, and I'm going to jump the gun here on a final thought. Are there any more people out there with those hot takes? Trevor Lawrence isn't their quarterback one in this class. Oh, I'm I, sure. I – I don't, I, I I have been pleasantly surprised. You talk about dysfunction, you talk about things falling apart. He, he seems like he has a really good demeanor out there. And Dan, you might be able to look at that more and speak to it from a playing perspective, but it doesn't seem like he's ever too high or too low in a situation where it'd be very easy to get too low. Um, But I just wanted to mention him because you talk about Dan Arnold and his after his first full week at practice in, in Jacksonville, to put up eight targets, uh, two PPR leagues, 1.5, 1.7, two tight ends. Dan Arnold could be somebody, and he could be had at a reasonable price. But if you were hoping that Robert Tunyon was going to carry you again this year, Evan Ingram, uh, this, that, or the other, it, it could be somebody as simple as a Dan Arnold to get you 12 to 16 Ooh. points in a tight end premium league that's going to help push you towards that title. And I think that's a really good name, Dan, but all right, now that I hijacked the final thoughts, Dan, what do you have for our listeners? I'll
0: give you a twofer on the final thoughts. One's a continuation of your thought on the tight end position. And when we're watching these teams, we talked about earlier in the show, how guys are being used is the key. You know, again, their talent may be there, but you really want to be mindful of the situation at the tight end position. Some guys that we did like Bobby Tunyon, Johnu Smith, they're blocking a little bit more, helping some O-line situations than we like. And it's good to be aware of that. Like John, who is helping protect more than he has to, and then they're utilizing Henry, you know, sometimes more as the receiving tight end. So, you know, hey, will the situations change a year from now? Who knows? But be mindful of that tight end situation, especially at that position, position specifically when the O-lines have injuries or they're having issues there. That receiving tight end often doesn't become a receiving tight end to get the volume that we need. And then my original final thought was just keep grinding. Don't panic here. I'm seeing the group group me chats and Patreon chats. Sometimes people panic and fire sales after five weeks, even when they have a winning record. Take it easy. Take it easy there. All right, there's still a lot of games to be played. Really look at what's going on with your roster over those first five weeks. Is it an injury issue? Was it a talent issue? Did something just you know, you lost some real close games, hang in a little bit longer, keep working the free agent wire tonight. We've gave gave you a lot of trade advice that you could capitalize on tonight, work the trades and just stay active in your leads and try to get an edge. And hopefully lady luck uh, turns your way in the next few weeks.
1: Mitch, before we turn to you, we have a question here. Mm -hmm. Left field question of the week in the, uh, in the chat here from bars in the tuck. My league gets full PPR, gives points for return yard. Should I pick up Jamal Agnew since he's getting targets now? And then the Jags D to double up if he gets a return touchdown. I had to look this up, but Jamal Agnew, even Byron Pringle, uh, Deontay Harris, Khalil Herbert involved in the kickoff return game. Uh, la, 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 Devin Duvernay, Demetric Felton, Chester Rogers. Uh, I, those, those Jamal Agnew is the best returner in the league. Yeah. I,
2: no, we I saw back to back
1: touchdowns. Easily
2: right? is. Um, the one thing against it is, I want to play defenses that are going to get me sacks and they're going to get me turnovers to pair with that. I don't believe the Jags D will ever give you that. So I think while you do get the chance to get that double upside, you just, the chances of it happening are so low in the first place, even for good defenses, that there's just no way that I'm going to start the Jags just to hope for an Agnew touchdown. So, you know, I could double stack
0: that. I love that list. JB ran through there. Deontay Harris and Devin Duvernay would be my targets because they are electric returners as well, but they have prominent, not prominent, but they have a role carved out where they will, I think consistently for the rest of the year, get catches in the offense where Jackson was really funny. I mean, they're playing everybody under the sun there. Like they're scripting plays for Tavon Austin and all these guys that I have no clue why they're doing it. Cause they don't have half the talent of Chanel and even Marvin Jones, but who knows? When I woke up this morning,
1: I didn't think we were gonna have a question tonight about points for return yards. But I that I mean, you gotta keep us on our toes. And I like that question. Uh luckily I was able to find a, a resource to drop those return stats very quickly. And then question in the chat from Evan 12 team superflex PPR two point oh one or Allen Robinson. This is Allen Robinson for me.
2: Yeah, I, it's Allen Robinson.
1: Allen Robinson.
0: It's Robinson, but I'm very frustrated and not. I would temper your expectations, what you're going to get out of him this year, but for that value. Yes.
2: I mean, he's no Hollywood Brown. That's for
1: sure. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody that listened uh, to dynasty theory. Was that last summer? Uh, 2020. Yep. It was, it was 2020. uh, Dan and I had, well, Dan was cool and collected like Trevor Lawrence. I was, I was a, I was rattled like Kadarius Tony, if you will. And I was a, we got to a discussion about Allen Robinson and Hollywood Braun and Man Mitch. That was a good one. I like that. Okay. Anyway, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter at Dynasty Theory FF. And if you enjoy the show, if you want to show your support, check out the Patreon. Five dollars a month, like I said. We have the constantly updated Dynasty tiers. I have my usage report I'm throwing out in season every single week. I have that out by Tuesday at the latest to get you prepared for the next week. And then we have our annual projections during the off season. We have some virtual happy hours, which have been a lot of fun. We have our next one scheduled for a couple Thursdays from now for the Packers and... Cardinals, I believe. But a lot of a lot of good things going on over there. And then if you're just looking for the Discord community, reach out to one of us. Um, and we're, you know, we'll be more than happy to send you the link for Dan Lamania, Mitch Sorensen. I am John Bauer. Hopefully everybody has a fantastic week six. We'll catch you next week. Peace.